You're listening to Bethany Radio. More content is available on iTunes or online at BethanyBattleLeroy.com. I invite you to turn in the scriptures to the book of First Chronicles. First Chronicles back in the Old Testament. First Chronicles uh, chapter 16 is where we're going to be for a little bit of time this morning in our time together. And uh, if you're with us, visiting with us, we're glad you're here. We're going through some of our proposed constitution. We'll be voting on it later in in uh, January, upcoming January, but we're just kind of going through it bit by bit. Uh, don't let that throw you off. There's things in here for us to hear for today, not just to have a vote, but but it kind of is, we're going through some of that and looking at, at the Constitution. Uh, before we read a little bit in this passage of First Chronicles, we've got, I had one picture turned in last week, and uh, it's from my daughter, so just so you know, I don't pick her about, well, I love my daughter, but... Uh, she turned this in. I love it. Persecuted church. We were praying for the church last week. Um, you got the idea there, Madeline. Uh, I don't know if you can see closely, but it's a little bit detailed there. So that's what's going on. But that's a remembrance of our brothers and sisters around the world. You know, thank you guys. As we're praying for them last week, uh, our own churches, not here per se, but in Texas, are, are undergoing. That's, that's what was going on down in Sutherland Springs last week while, while we're praying here. And as we pray today, we want to remember them and uh, um, pray for them that have lost many. I don't know what their church service looks like today. Uh, it was neat to hear the pastor this week saying, we're going to lean on Jesus. And that's great words. That's great encouragement. So... Let's keep them in prayer, but let's let's read. We're just going to read a bit because we'll go through more of this passage, but I'm just going to read, picking up in verse 28 of 1 Chronicles 16. Let me read just, just through 34 here, just a portion of what we'll be getting into. 1 Chronicles 16, 28. Ascribe to the Lord, O clans of the peoples, Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due His name. Bring an offering and come before Him. Worship the Lord in the splendor of holiness. Tremble before Him all the earth. Yes, the world is established. It shall never be moved. Let the heavens be glad and let the earth rejoice and let them say among the nations, the Lord reigns. Let the sea roar and all that fills it Let the field exult and everything in it. Then all the trees of the forest shall sing for joy before the Lord, for He comes to judge the earth. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for He is good, for His steadfast love endures forever. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, today's desire is that we would, in our own individual lives, And as a church body, as a whole, as a gathered body, we would ascribe to you the glory and honor and worth of your name and your majesty in all that we do. Father, we pray for our brothers and sisters in Texas today. 
and everybody surrounding them and all the help and all the things they are going through sorting out what happened last weekend. Lord, we lift them up to You and we pray You would encourage their hearts and comfort their hearts in Christ alone. May that may they come away with a boast, not that they got through it themselves, but Christ, that You you led them through. Like a Savior, like a shepherd, Lord, lead them. And so we pray and lift that congregation up to You. Father, I pray for us as a congregation as we speak about membership and the body and what it looks like to meaningfully come together, may we be that type of close-knit family. Father, that when one member suffers, we all suffer. When one member is joyful, we're all with joy because we're the body of Christ. So lead us today, Lord, we pray. Guide my words that I will speak. Guide your words as we look in the Scriptures. May you guide our time. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. Well, we're on, if you have a, um, the, the proposed Constitution with you, we're uh, on page 8, and the, we're on Article 7, and, and the title is Meetings. Meetings, Article 7, and I'm sure that brings a lot of joy as you think about Meetings, maybe as I say meetings, you think, oh, Pastor Mike, please, is there something else? Maybe you think of meetings comes to mind, long meetings or drawn out or can't we just all decide on something and get going? I don't know what kind of meetings that word conjures up in your minds. Are they even necessary? But I hope today as we look through the scriptures today, as we look through what we've kind of written out here and what's proposed here, that we have a fresh perspective on the grace of God in encouraging us as a body to meet together and worship together. I'll just read the first sentence. Really, the bulk of our time is on this first part. And then the rest, we, we will cover portions and, and look at a little bit. But really, this first line, you have it on italics there. Worship gatherings. Worship Services shall be held each Lord's Day and may be held throughout the week as determined by the elders. We are forgetful and uh, it's good to be reminded. Why again do we gather? Why are we here? We spoke kind of the first time in this, this series of being here to delight and display, declare the glory of God and equip one another to go out and proclaim that glory. And proclaim Christ, the gospel. So we gather for the sake of worship. And you hear even in the very word of worship, worth-ship. In essence, in worship, what we're saying, if we're trying to kind of put our mind around it to define it, we're saying, our God, you are worthy. We worship. You're worthy of all praise and adoration. For from you, through you, to you are all things. So I want to take us to this song of David here in First Chronicles. And David gave this to the really the worship leaders of the day back then and see if we can just deepen our understanding of just what it is to worship the Lord. Kind of allow this, and this is by far not the only place. I mean, you could look at the Psalms all throughout there and uh, other places of worship. But hopefully just through this particular psalm or song here, 
that just paints a picture again of what our worship is to encapsulate, what it's to look like. Just to give a little background, uh, King David here, as he's about to write this, has brought the Ark of the Covenant back to Jerusalem. And uh, he's beginning to uh, pitch a tent for the Ark. The Ark was kind of the Old Testament idea of the presence of God. So they've got this Ark of the Covenant. It's come. It's, it's like the presence of God is with them again. They brought it back to, to really, I think, where it needs to go. And he appoints some of these Levites here as ministers before this Ark. Verse 7 of this passage says that on that day, David first appointed with uh, David first appointed that thanksgiving be sung to the Lord by Asaph and his brothers. And so begins this song. Let me read a bit of it, starting in verse eight. Oh, give thanks to the Lord. Just just let's paint a picture here of worship. Oh, give thanks to the Lord. Call upon his name. Make known his deeds among the peoples. Sing to Him. Sing praises to Him. Tell of all His wondrous works. Glory in His holy name. Let the hearts of those who seek the Lord rejoice. Seek the Lord in His strength. Seek His presence continually. Remember the wondrous works that He has done. His miracles and the judgments He uttered. O offspring of Israel, His servant. Sons of Jacob, His chosen ones. We're to make known in worship, make known the deeds of the Lord. Look at all the the words that are used there. Give thanks, make known, sing, glory, seek, remember, rejoice. These are all pictures of worshiping the Lord. It's not just we worship the Lord in this one aspect. I appreciate Dave when he prayed today as we begin to worship the Lord with our tithes and offerings. It's not just we we worship in song, we stop and then we have an off. It's we continue that. In fact, we're worshiping the Lord right now as you listen to the word being read and we internalize it. Say, Lord, speak to my heart. We worship. We praise him. Going on, verse 14. He is the Lord, our God. His judgments are in all the earth. Remember his covenant forever. The word that he commanded for a thousand generations, the covenant that he made with Abraham, his sworn promise to Isaac, which he confirmed as a statute to Jacob as an everlasting covenant to Israel, saying to you, I will give the land of Canaan as your portion for an inheritance. When you were few in number and of little account and sojourners in it, wandering from nation to nation and from one kingdom to another people, he allowed no one to oppress them. He rebuked kings on their account, saying, touch not my anointed ones, do my prophets no harm. We worship a God who remembers His promises. So part of it, the first part, we're singing, we're giving glory, we're remembering His deeds. We're worshiping because He's a God that is faithful to all His promises forever. Kind of getting a picture here. Verse 23 continues. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Tell of his salvation from day to day. Declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous works among all the peoples. For great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. And he is to be held in awe above all gods. For all the gods of the peoples are idols, but the Lord made the heavens. Splendor and majesty are before him. Strength and joy are in his place. We worship a great Lord. 
And that worship is to overflow, I think, where it says, declare his glory among the nations. It's a worship that overflows. And this is encouraging in terms even of our, uh, I don't know if you've thought about it this way, but our evangelism, our going out to preach the gospel to others, that it's part of our overflow of worship. It's not that I've got to go out and I need to get through these certain points so that they hear the gospel. It is that, I mean, we want to preach it well and, and, and share the word, but it's part of that. We want to declare to them, there's a glorious one. The idols you're serving, they're, they're worthless. They're going to fail you. We have a God in the heavens and he's great and he's glorious and we sing to him and he's wonderful. So worship even overflows to that. And then the part we already read, I'll read it again. Verse 28, ascribe, ascribe or attribute to kind of kind of say, here's ascribe to the Lord, give to the Lord. So ascribe to the Lord, O clans of the peoples, ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. There's glory nowhere else, strength nowhere else. It's in the Lord. Verse 29, ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Bring an offering, there's offering, come before him. Worship the Lord. Another way even of saying that is is bow down. Worship. Almost that sense of prostrate, prostrate yourselves before him. Worship the Lord in the splendor of holiness. Tremble before him all the earth. Yes, the world is established. It shall never be moved. Verse 31, let the heavens be glad. Now listen. Here's what we're joining with. We're joining with the whole earth because verse 31, let the heavens be glad. Let the earth rejoice. Let them say among the nations, the Lord reigns. Let the sea roar and all that fills it. Let the field exalt and everything in it. Next time we drive by a field out here, say, how does that feel? That field is even worshiping God. There's it grows things. There's beauty. There's beauty everywhere. And it's it's towards the Lord. It's worshiping the Lord. Verse 33, then shall the trees of the forest sing for joy before the Lord, for he comes to judge the earth. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. This remembrance, give thanks. And we're coming up to Thanksgiving. Why? Why do we give thanks? Because God is good and his love, because his promises endures forever. And verse 35 kind of Kind of sums it up. Say also here. And now here's kind of the, the prayer of worship even. Save us, O God of our salvation. And gather and deliver us from among the nations. You, you have the word that in there? Why? Why save us? Why gather us? Not just so we can sing that we're saved. And we can. We can sing that in worship. There's a purpose. That we may give thanks to your holy name. And glory in your praise. Blessed be the Lord, the God of Israel, from everlasting to everlasting. Then all the people said, Amen, and praise the Lord. And the worship goes on. So what is worship based on this one particular psalm here in First Chronicles? We already looked at it. It's singing. It's telling. It's giving, seeking, remembering. All these are descriptions. It's declaring, ascribing, thanking, and blessing our great God. You hear in there, the, the, it's almost the loud focus of worship, right? It's God. Our worship is to be centered on God alone. I say, 
the word God-centered worship. It's not to be man-centered worship. So there's some phrases that, that we are prone to think of in worship, but here they shouldn't be part if we understand worship is part of ascribing glory to God and worshiping Him. Maybe you've thought some of these. Uh, or you've heard the phrase, I didn't get anything out of worship today. Uh, the worship songs are not my style. The pastor's message was boring. Or he preached too long. It, you know, all these sorts of things. I'm not accusing you saying that, but it could be there. Okay. Not all of that uh, may be true. The, the songs, some of this may be true. The songs you may not be familiar with. Uh, the pastor probably will and has preached bad sermons. Uh, but at the heart of this, again, all of this is why are we here? Why are we gathered? And the answer to that, I think, helps us and is to drive us in terms of our worship. Certainly, we want to come. We want to grow. We want to mature in our faith. We want to sing along. We want to be challenged by a sermon. But if that's our focus, if we're coming just to just to get my needs met, then we've not come to worship our God. That doesn't mean true worship. We won't come away. Wow, I, I learned this. I was encouraged. As we sing songs about the cross, we're to remember our salvation and they help us and lift us. But again, it's not our hearts, not our emotions that are the goal. Like, what have you done for me lately? It's I have come to, in essence, bow before the Lord and just bow and say, Lord, I worship you. You are exalted and I praise you. So worship is to be God-centered. It's not to be centered on me, although we certainly overflow and we benefit from worship times together. One question might come up. Can't we do this at home? Can't we just worship at home? Why do I have to gather to the, you know, I don't have to be in a church building to worship, right? Yes, absolutely. We ought to be worshiping where we go, 24 hours, we worship in our car as we walk, as we play with our kids, listen to the radio. Maybe we're um, all these different places, grocery store, we're to worship. But there's something unique about corporately. When I say corporate, that's all of us gathering together to worship. This world is hard. It's a barren setting for us in Christ. There's good reason to come together. I want you to turn now, go a long ways over to Hebrews. Uh, we were here last week, and I'm just going to read Hebrews chapter 10. Perhaps a familiar verse when it comes to this idea of meeting together. Hebrews 10, 24 through 25. So you can head there. Hebrews 10, 24, the New Testament. Again, we were here last week kind of looking at the foundation of covenanting together as members of being in Christ. And then we're going to pick up in verse 24 here. We're going to look at it briefly. Look at a couple of, couple of words here. Verse 24, Hebrews 10 says, And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. Let me read that again. Let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. You notice in this verse, there's two words here, at least in the ESV. One is let us consider. 
Maybe many of yours has that. And then the other word here, let us consider how to stir up. I looked at some of the others. I know some use like a New American Standard says, let us uh, stimulate or the NIV says spur or the King James provoke. Here's what one commentator says of these words here. Don Guthrie says this. It is significant that the word consider is used here. For what the writer is urging evidently demands concentrated thought. Then he goes on to say the word for stirring up is a striking term meaning incitement and seems to suggest that loving one another will not just happen. It needs to be worked at, even provoked in the same way as good works. I like what he has to say. Let us consider. Let us think about it. It's not just, yeah, I got to go there. I, w- I need to love somebody. It's, it's think about it. It's, what it. it's think about one another. How can I stir you and you and you up to love and good works for each of us in here? How can I stir this person as God brings people in our congregation to your mind through the week? Let that be a prayer starter. Say, oh, Lord, I don't know why you brought so-and-so to mind. I'll pray for him. Lord, stir him to love. Stir her to love and good works. Or to think on these things. Then look at verse 25. Not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. It would seem here, the writers of Hebrews is saying, certain ones, they had... They were not gathering together. They'd, they'd forsaken the, the assembly of one another. Uh, they were not to neglect meeting together or assembling. The New Testament word here, we remember from the Jews that met often uh, the Sabbath at the synagogue. They, this word in here in verse 25, not to, uh, neglecting to meet together, has that idea. They, they were... Uh, It's really, don't neglect to synagogue together, to meet together. Don't forsake that. And again, the question, why was this important? Well, the writer answers here. Why? Why why should we not neglect coming together? You know, some are doing that, but what's the purpose? But encouraging. They were to encourage one another. The word here, even for encourage or exhort, it has an idea of urging comfort or cheer uh, to cheer up or invite. Even part of this word can have the idea of, of coming alongside or, or maybe coming um, near another one to encourage. It's, we're in football season. This happens. You see it out on the field. Somebody gets hurt. What happens? Either the doctor with them or another player. You know, they pick up the injured player and, uh, you know, put, them, put the arm around the shoulder and they, they, they help them off. They kind of... They encourage, they, almost, they come alongside that person and get them off. Maybe you've seen some of the, uh, the neat videos you know, of, a, of a runner in a marathon finishing a race and they get, they're like close to the finish and they just start wobbling and you, and you see some of the other runners in the race coming alongside that runner and they come and they, they hold them and they, and they take them and they get to the finish line. I think there's that idea in this, in this idea of encouraging one another. Much like the Holy Spirit encourages, helps us as well. That's what we're to do with one another. And we need this. We need encouragement and endurance of the Lord. We need to minister to one another. We minister 
in the body called the church. Why do we need encouragement? Because naturally, we get discouraged. We need others around to encourage us. Some of us today are doing fine in the Lord. We had a good week. We had, we've been studying the Word. We're, we're fresh. We're, we're, we're ready. And some of us here need a song or somebody to come along and say, I'll pray for you this week. And maybe next week, that person that's not doing so well will be doing better. And, and they're recovered some. And they can come alongside to somebody that's down and encourage and kind of come and encourage them and lift them up as well. We need each other to do this. This world, our own failures, even our own, our own flesh, the enemies of our, the enemy really of our soul is throwing darts at us all week long. We need one another. So why would we leave behind or forsake assembling together? Certainly, there can be reasons. We don't want to get together. We've been hurt in the past. Things have happened. Be it be it here, be it another place. And we all have stories of hurts in the past of churches that, that can in one way we can say, oh, we're discouraged. Why? But for all these issues of churches who inhabit, who's in here, sinners saved by grace, for all that we gather together and the church remains part of God's perfect plan. This is His plan. This is His program. So here's one more hope, and I want to share this, that we have as we gather together. And it deals with the very day we gather on. I'm talking about the Lord's Day on Sunday. It's a special day of worship. We don't have time to discuss in here really just all the reasoning behind meeting on Sundays. Why Sunday than any other day? But it, it seems pretty convincing from Scripture and even early church history that this was the day the early church gathered. Here's the most encouraging part of the day. It, it's called the Lord's Day for a reason. I want you to turn in Luke, turn to Luke chapter 24, verse 1. So we're not going a lot of places, just um, this place to see this. Luke 24, uh, verse 1. I spent a, a bit of time this week kind of researching the question, why is, is Sunday important? Why Sunday gathering? Is it biblical? Do they meet on Sundays? How do we know this? And I think Luke, amongst other places, he gives us the pattern Okay, kind of the, the watershed, the pattern for why the early church would meet on the first day of the week. That's not to describe, you know, you, you meet to worship Saturday night. I don't, I don't know that we need to get like super legalistic about it. It must be. But <laughs> there's a wonderful reason we meet on a Sunday. And myself, I forget it so often. I think, well, this, the sun's out. We, that, this is the day, right? Why? Look at, ver- look at Luke 24, 1. Um, let me read through six twenty four. You know what's happening here. But on the first day of the week, Sunday, at early dawn, they went to the tomb, taking the spices they had prepared, and they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they went in, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were perplexed about this, behold, two men stood by them in dazzling apparel. And as they were frightened and bowed their faces to the ground, the men said to them, Why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here, 
Who's the he? Jesus. But has risen. Remember how he told you while he was still in Galilee. And then it goes on. That the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified. And on the third day, rise. The first day of the week commemorates the day of Jesus rising from the dead. I think you can look at other places in Scripture. You can get a sense that Sunday, the first day of the week, it was at least a prominent day of gathering for the church. Not the only day, but a prominent one. Why even go down this road? I think because we can be, again, encouraged with this. You know, all of our talk today, we're talking about worship together. Praise of God alone, not man. Meeting together, encouraging one another. And we're also mentioning the failures of doing that with one another and our own sinfulness that gets in the way and how we can hurt one another. But we ought to approach each Sunday encouraged despite the hang-ups in our own lives and those around us because we come to worship a living Savior. He's defeated the grave. A Savior, Christ Jesus the Lord, who, what does He do? He calms seas. He heals little girls. He speaks with authority. His blood covers our sin. So we do not meet in our own power, but we meet by the power of Jesus, by His Spirit within. Praise God, we are not on our own with a, with a manual of sorts to say, come on, encourage one another, go worship. We, we serve a risen and living Lord and Savior that gives life to what we do here. All right. Um, I won't take near as long, but we're going to uh, just look at the, the, the last remaining, some of the paragraphs in the Constitution here as we, as we look at this. And... Uh, it deals with the members' meetings. I'll just read through it here in the special meetings and just make a few, uh, few comments. So, talked about worship services now, members' meetings. In every meeting together, members shall act in a spirit of mutual trust, openness, and loving consideration appropriate for the body of Christ. The annual meeting shall be held on or near the last Sunday in January. A moderator designated by the elders shall preside at all meetings. A quorum shall be understood to be met by those members present. All votes shall be tallied based upon the number of votes cast by members present. And then special meetings here. Special meetings may be called with a stated agenda as necessary by the elders or at the request of 30% of the membership. The date, time, and purpose of any special meeting shall be announced at a worship service of the church at least two weeks prior to the meeting. All special meetings will be led by the elders. Just one, well, it's not one word, it's a couple words. In light of our theme today of worship, I want you to go to the book of James, chapter 3. In light of all glory to the Lord, look at James, chapter 3, and I want to read this for us. I think I'm doing well on time, and so I'm going to read more. And, uh, and I hope it's of, of benefit to us. I'm going to start in James chapter 3, and I'm going to start at verse 5. Um, he's discussing here the, the powerful nature of this small part of our body called the tongue. 
Here's what he says, starting in verse 5. So also the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great things. How great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire. And the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life, and set on fire by hell. Not very encouraging about the tongue, is it? Verse 7, For every kind of beast and bird, of reptile and sea creature, can be tamed and has been tamed by mankind, but no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil, full of deadly poison. Here's our connection to today. With it, we bless our Lord and Father. And with it, we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come blessing and cursing. My brothers, these things ought not be so. Does a spring pour forth from the same opening both fresh and salt water? Can a fig tree, my brothers, bear olives or a grapevine produce figs? Neither can a salt pond yield fresh water. Let me just continue here to the end of the chapter. Who is wise and understanding among you? By his good conduct, let him show his works in the meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast and be false to the truth. This is not the wisdom that comes down from above, but is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder and every vile practice. But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. And a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. No matter where or when we meet, and in this case we're talking about uh, the annual meeting in January or special meetings or member meetings throughout the year, let us be consistent in our worship both in and out of what we might call the, the formal worship service, that our mouths, and here again, this is where, oh Lord, help us, where our mouths here can praise God and sing praises, and yet not ten minutes after can bring about, be it gossip or slander or hate, all those sorts of things. That's what James, how can that come out of the same mouth? He's saying, don't, don't be double like that. Worship the Lord. Let us not do that. Well, lastly, I just want to touch on one more. That's really all I have to say on our meetings. You can look at that for you know, study out the details of all those things. But lastly, just Article 8 here, I'll, I'll read to us as well. Next week, we're going to look at elders, deacons, the officers of the church. Why do we have them? That sort of thing. But this, this week, we're going to finish Article 8 church relationships here. Church relationships. I'll read it. Uh, let me just read the first, first sentence here. Bethany Bible Church is autonomous and is not subject to the control or oversight of any other ecclesiastical body to translate church body. Ecclesiastical is a big word for that. This means that we see the local church as the authority instituted by God. And God's given authority to be exercised in the local church. He's given order to it by what we'll learn next week of the overseers or the elders, deacons, so forth. 
The elders as the, the local shepherds for the, the local sheep. But this doesn't mean we can't receive help or aid even from other churches or ministries. Again, kind of going back to that dual status, universally members of the universal church, the all believers worldwide, we're, we're members. And yet that of us here in the local church, kind of an, an outpost of the gospel, a local church of covenanting, promise-keeping members together. Okay, and then look at this, the next sentence. We will, however, here's kind of that, that joining with others, joyfully cooperate with other like-minded churches in matters of mutual interest and concern. Joyful cooperation. Let me just briefly say, what does this look like both locally and then broadly? What does it look like for us to cooperate locally, even in town? I think it means in areas where we can cooperate with other churches in town, we do so. Um, I go to the, the Leroy Area Ministerial Association called Llama, though we don't have a mascot of a llama. It's kind of weird, but I go there and we support. We support the food shelf and and t- collectively our monies go to help people in need in our town. Part of ministry in that way. It's how we desire to minister through that. But we do draw a line. There is a difference of ministering and gathering really in worship together. Uh, We would see some significant variations in how some of the other denominations have treated the Word of God. And so I think for that reason, it's it's pretty challenging for us to say we're like-minded. Okay, that's just touching on how do we do that locally. And then, of course, there's, there's broader, and this is... This is as broad as, as we could define it here, but other churches really we can partner with that hold to the true gospel. They're under the authority of the Word of God. And we would, and we want to joyfully cooperate with those as well. Not just to be an island. We're the only church. We can join with others as well. So why do we come here? Well, we, we answered that one of the First sermons, we come to glorify God, to worship God together. Let me put that word, I have in my notes, to worship together. We worship God together. He's the object of our worship. Why together? To encourage one another in Christ. What's the hope for this meeting of a bunch of sinners saved by grace? Christ and the Spirit within us. He's the hope. And how do we meet we love one another how do we do an annual meeting together we love one another in christ there's one more meeting i've not mentioned a meeting it's not in here but it does occur weekly it's called a prayer meeting that's a meeting going on these days we've been reading through a book in prayer meeting by paul miller called a praying life and in it he speaks of praying for his own children saying this, he says, says this, it didn't take me long to realize that I did my best parenting by prayer. I began to speak less to the kids and more to God. I, I love that phrase. I began to do my, my best parenting by prayer. Could we just take his line? We began to do our best, we'll use big words and small, ecclesiastical work, our best church work, our best times together. I did my best times together by prayer, by praying for one another. To worship well 
to meet, to do this well, we are in need of God's help. My desire is that in the midst of our church, Lord willing, we grow in maturity. Maybe others come, maybe not. Opportunities come. That we as a church be grounded in dependence on God alone. So we can say we did our best worship in prayer. The best times of worship, we're calling out, Lord, we need you. We don't have this all figured out. We need you to work amongst us. How are we going to work in this community? What are we going to do in this case and here in this situation? We need God to help us. And so I want to challenge even you to consider this meeting, this prayer meeting, to join us for that weekly. That this would be really central to any other programming and things that we do as a church that we say, first and foremost, we depend on God and we we worship when we pray because we say, Lord, we can't do this. Now, I need to say this. Some of you, there's very legitimate reasons why Wednesday night prayer meeting is not going to work. So don't. That's you. Don't leave here. Oh, there's another guilt. I, I just can't. Okay, but if that's not you, if there's a way you can arrange, rearrange, come, come, encourage, meet together, join together. May we fill this place praying and saying, Lord, we need you. Pray for one another. And I think we grow in love for one another as we pray together. So. I'm going to ask that we pray together here. You don't have to. We're not splitting up in groups today. We can just bow our heads right where you're at. And I'm just going to ask you personally, and then I'll close us in in prayer. Um, I'm just going to ask you personally to to pray for our church and pray, pray for us through this process of constitution work and meeting work and all of what lays ahead and all of what God brings to mind. We just do that now and lift that and let's worship together individually I'm going to ask you to pray and pray about your own life and worship. And then I'll close this in just a minute or two here. So, Lord, we join together and we say we are dependent on you for all of what you've called us to as believers in our own families, our own lives, and as believers as the the gathered body of Christ. With all the different members, the feet, the hands, the ears, the eyes, all different members, part of the body of Christ. Lord, grow us in dependence, in worshipful dependence on You. That we do not uh, ever think we've got it together. We, can, we don't need the Lord on this one. We'll just plan it out. Father, forgive us of that. And lead us, Lord, to trust You. And to see Your hand guiding in all sorts of situations.
that will come. Lord, you are surely worthy of our praise. I pray that we would live a lifestyle of overflowing worship of our great God, of your glory, of your creation, and what you've done to save sinners by the cross of Jesus. May our boast be in Christ alone. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.